When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. If anyone was going to break the silence regarding the contract statuses of Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang, it was going to be Brian Burke. And if anybody was going to do it in a message-sending kind of way, it was going to be Burke. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. Comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates where you found this. Burke definitely let it all out yesterday on Canada's Sportsnet where he used to be employed, where he's gone kind of frequently since coming to the Penguins. And right here was the money content. Well, nothing, nothing's changed with regard to our personnel. They're, um, we want to sign both players. Everyone should be emphatically clear on that. We would like to bring both players back. But they got to come back at, at term and contract dollars that make sense. So we want both players back. They've got to come back. With, with the length of the contract and the amounts of the salaries that make sense. And if not, they're not coming back. And that, that's what people should be very clear on is not that we're, we're not interested in having them back. We want them back, but they've got to come back at numbers that make sense and don't leave us cap, cap handcuffed. And if that doesn't happen, they're not coming back. So it's very simple for us. We want them back. They've got to come back on terms that make sense or they won't be back. So we should know, I'm guessing, in the next little bit with both players, we've made determined efforts to meet with and to sign Chris Letang. Uh, less determined with Malkin only because we got to know how much money we have to work with and we got to put this jigsaw puzzle together. So less, less uh, very direct discussions with the agent for Evgeny Malkin, but less, uh, less intense in terms of there's got to be some sequence here. One has to sign, then the other, and then, or maybe neither of them. So we'll see. But it's coming to a head soon. How about that? Like a day after I invest most of the episode of this show, letting everyone know that not a thing anywhere had been reported reliably because there were only six people involved in this process and none of them had spoken yet. This one speaks. Boy, did he ever. There's a lot to digest there, but if you condense it down to a single thing, what Burke's saying above and beyond anything else is that 
the Penguins need to figure out what's happening with Latang before they can do really anything else, including whether or not they can do what's necessary to keep Malkin. And this makes a lot of sense. At this stage of their respective careers, and I offer this very respectfully, Latang is the better player. Latang is more valuable. Latang has had the healthier history, at least again, of late. And Latang appears to be better positioned to ensure that his contract isn't just a parting gift for past performance. I felt this way all along, infinitely more important. The Penguins now clearly feel the same way. The question is, how far are the Penguins willing to go with Latang in terms of not just money, but also term? Because you might recall that after the Game 7 loss to the Rangers, when Latang met with us, he spoke of playing for a very long time, something that Gino and Sidney Crosby really didn't do. And none of this stuff happens by accident. None of it is spoken by accident, not on either side. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Find out how $1 can be turned into five full meals for those in need. Visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. It's messy, and it's messy on a lot of fronts. You know, we can casually discuss how much the Penguins uh, will or should pay Latang, how long they will or should commit to him in terms of the length of the contract. But it's not on an island. It just isn't. Because picture the scenario where internally Burke and Ron Hextall feel and feel strongly and passionately that Latang can play five more years in the league. I'm not saying that they do. I'm not saying that I do. Let's just suppose. And they go to Latang and say, well, here's a five-year deal for this and this and this. It lowers the cap hit over the course of time and whatever else. And then you go to Malkin, you say, here's three years. Do you see what I'm saying? They're not technically tied together, but there's a fiber in there between them. There has to be. There always has been, certainly between Sid and Gino. Let's remember, and for those of you who are kind of new to the sport or to the team, this might surprise you, but all this time that Sid and Gino have been playing together, Gino has been the higher paid player, and not by a little bit. Gino was at $9.5 million and ever superstitious Sid was at 8.7. Now, Sid got the longer term. That's why Sid still has three years left. But Sid, I don't know how many of you are even going to believe me when I say this. His cap hit stays unchanged for the duration of his deal. But he's actually going to make in the neighborhood of $3 million each year over those final three years. $3 million. No, That doesn't mean, you know, Sid's going to be sleeping under a bridge in Halifax when he gets done playing. But it's like what you pay a backup shortstop in Major League Baseball. So there are different things that you need 
to think about if you're management, and there are different considerations to weigh if you're a player. What's clear to me about all of this, you go back to the beginning of the clip that you heard there from Burke, the Penguins genuinely do want to keep both of these players, but they've had to protect themselves in the process. And that means figuring out Latang first, because they see him as the greater challenge. Very, very plainly, they see that. But they also can't slash won't wait forever with Latang, because then you run the risk of watching both of them head out onto the open market. That's, you know, that's pretty rough territory. So what has to happen here, although Burke didn't state this explicitly, he strongly hinted at it, there's got to be a deadline in place for a deal to be done with Latang, And I believe that is going to take place, meaning the deadline, before the NHL draft in Montreal next week. As I've been saying all along on this show, you don't want this circus carried onto that floor in that environment. You just don't. If Latang doesn't get signed, or if this deadline isn't met, the team can then go back to Malkin, figure out a way to get him signed, work on Ricard Raquel, and maybe broach an extension with Tristan Jari. And maybe a little more, because, man, if we're being real here, there isn't a number one defenseman on this team if and when Latang leaves. And if you're one of those people, and I hear from you every day, so I know you exist, who's either perfectly fine with one or both leaving, Latang and Malkin, or even eager to see them go, I'll ask you the same question I've been asking for weeks now, and that's this. Who will you replace them with at a comparable price? Don't say, oh, we'll just find somebody or Vince Trocheck or whatever. Give me names. Show me data. Show me production that matches what you'd lose from one or both of these guys. Again, Fitting within your current cap constrictions. Can't. Just can't. When we come back, J1Q. Today's J1Q comes from Casey Koontz, who asks, How much influence does the Fenway Sports Group have on who the Penguins sign or re-sign. Casey, earlier yesterday, I I got another question from somebody else. I'm going to kind of lump it in with yours because they asked to what extent Mario Lemieux would be involved in this process. So taking that last one first, the, the actual answer, the accurate answer for me to give you is that I don't know. Uh, I am not privy to the conversations being had between Mario and the Fenway Sports Group, if there are any. However, based on my dealings with Tom Werner and based on my understandings of how FSG operates and how they 
anticipated they'd operate in Pittsburgh, this would be a classic case of a situation where FSG would want to consult the resident dude, okay? This is an area uh, of this team and its ownership that has been particularly precious to both Mario and Ron Burkle. And remember that they're both still involved. And Mario especially has been vocal about wanting to keep great players in Pittsburgh for the duration of their careers. Not at a detriment, but to do it as possible. So I'll answer that I believe that Mario would be consulted. I do not believe that Mario would have a quote-unquote vote or anything to that effect. I believe that he'd be asked and he'd offer an answer. As for FSG, the way they've run their other teams, based on our own research here at DK Pittsburgh Sports, will powerfully illustrate that they're not afraid to do stuff that you might think they'd be afraid to do. When they take over a team, they'll do kind of what we've seen over the past year, which is spend a few months learning, observing, being on the scene, being regulars, being right in between the general manager and the president of hockey operations. And I'm referring to where Werner sits in the box for home games at PPG Paints Arena. They'll get their fingernails dirty. They won't just talk to the upper echelon. Werner also had extensive meetings and dealings with Mike Sullivan. You know, the guy right behind the bench for the games. That's not necessarily the way that sort of thing usually goes. They're looking, they're digging for information so that they can form their own views and their own vision of what the franchise should be. Now, as I say that, understand that they are employing Ron Hextall and Brian Burke. And by every account, they're operating in harmony. It's not somebody's will against somebody else's will. So out of all those things that Burke said yesterday, maybe the most important one was the very first, which is that we, the Penguins, very much want to sign and to keep both of these players. Burke saying that, in essence, is the company stance. And as such, it is the ownership stance, whether that means FSG or Mario or Ron or the whole thing put together. That's the way I'd look at it right now. They want to sign these players, but they also don't want to be dopes about it. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. And we'll do another one of these tomorrow.